Welcome to the Let's Take a Journey podcast. Where life is an endless expedition. And happiness is a journey. I'm Nay. And I'm Cass. And on this podcast, we'll be talking about life and embracing the detours. Don't forget to follow our Facebook page at SmithSQ. Now, let's take a journey. What the heck? <laughs> hey, y'all. We back again with another podcast. I don't know what number we on, but it don't really matter. <laughs> and we got a guest, y'all. It's Liddy. It's Liddy. Who we got today? Who's in the building? Who is in the building? Mo Betta. We got my mama on the podcast. Ooh. <laughs> I know her. <laughs> I'm a fan. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, y'all, we got my mama on the podcast today, y'all. And as you can see by the title, we're talking about something really serious. Surviving your abuser. Okay? So, I got a couple of questions for her, but we're going to let her talk let her introduce herself a little bit uh, of course like i said that's my mom but if she wanted to say any little things about herself we're gonna we're gonna let her talk go ahead mama hey y'all so i'm gonna talk about domestic violence and surviving your abuser i was 16 years old when i first met my abuser i was actually in junior high school eighth grade Wait, Mom, before you get into that, I didn't mean to cut you off. I did want to um, ask you, because some people may not know, what is domestic violence? Like, either, like, your version of, like, domestic violence, actual, like, you know, definition. Because some people might not, could be in a, that situation and not know they're in that type of situation. Well, as a teenager, you do not know what domestic violence is. At first, you think you're in love. Someone could be dictating on, you know, how you dress, what you eat, and you're just thinking, oh, that individual loves you and that individual, you know, is just trying to keep you for himself. When in all actuality, he is mentally abusing you and that's how it starts. And then after that, the control really, you know, gets worse. And then he starts hitting. So it's gradually, it's more or less taking ownership of you and controlling your life and what you do and what you say and how you act. Okay. So that goes into the next question, like you were already starting. When did the abuse start? So when we first met, we were in junior high school, probably about the seventh grade. And I didn't really like him. But his best friend and my best friend were dating. So we were always around each other. And I just said, okay, well, you know, maybe we can date or whatever. And it just, we just gradually started getting to know each other. And the abuse started probably about 16. Okay. So do, in, do abusers show like potential signs that can show that? You know, they could be abusive or more or less just like, okay, is this a red flag to show me that you can be very physically abusive or mentally? Like, are you trying to mentally control me or are you planning to hit like yeah. a sign that literally tells you what direction it might be going? Or did you see any signs before Feline started? Well, I did see signs back when he would be abusive to his own family, just random fights with different family members and no one wanted to be around him just always violent and me not being around people like that and just you know I felt like I was probably sheltered but who knows 
And I guess you can really say there is no true sign because in your mind, you're thinking that it's love and that he's just doing it because he cares. Going to the truth. Correct. Okay. So did anyone know or did you have like any like supporters or anything like that? No one knew. Um, Actually, the only one that did know was my sister, my youngest sister. I would always run to her house and, you know, if I didn't have clothes or he took my clothes or hid my clothes so I couldn't go anywhere, she would make sure I had clothes. So my sister was the only one that knew and the the only one that was trying to get me to get away from him, but I kept going back. So would you say like only... Would you say like men can get abused too? Like in your opinion, like could you, would you say like men, is it just women or would you say more women get abused versus men or both? I think both because some women are violent and, and they can be really like smothering to their man and, and just, you know, who you with, don't be with your friends and real dominant women. And there's a lot of dominant women and they don't realize that they're really being verbally and mentally abusive to their men. Mm-hmm. And then if you get angry with them, the first thing you start slapping them. Yeah. And then that's a form of abuse. Like, who are you to put your hands on somebody? So that's a form of abuse. So it definitely works both ways. Yeah. It definitely does. Because I, I guess I, I nipped it as soon as it happened. But I had an ex that literally just demean me to the point of literally hitting me one day i was like oh okay yeah you just need to leave like i'm not uh have any sort of relationship where you feel like it's okay well i'm, I'm a girl so you know it, it didn't really hurt you that much regardless of what regardless of how much it hurt it's the fact that you took that initiative that just told me that hey maybe you could come to realize that it didn't really affect me that much and you go for something more heavier, more sturdier, like something that can cause more damage rather than me just being like, you just need to leave. Like, I, I'm not going to give that a chance. Yeah. But sometimes it can escalate and just one, sing- you know, one little single word can make that person go into a rage even more. Mm-hmm. Like, and you might pull back or shut down or something like that. And they might not want you to shut down. So it just brings out more anger. So you always feel like you made that person angry. Like if I didn't suck my teeth or if I didn't roll my eyes or, you know, then maybe he wouldn't have hit me. Or maybe, you know, if I would have just swept the floor and, and, you know, did what I was supposed to do. Maybe he wouldn't do this or that. But it's it's never you. It's always them. So would you say he had a lot of triggers? Like, would you say the triggers were like everything that you did or just like small petty things? Well, I feel like it's probably like a generational thing because his father was also abusive to his mother. He saw a lot of abuse and a lot of fighting in his family. And I just feel like it trickled down and, you know, he's he just was always in a rage. And later on, years down the line, that's when I found out he was bipolar. So mm-hmm. back then, bipolar wasn't a, a real thing. You know, they always just said, oh, he's crazy. You know, they they never yeah. said they never gave it a name. Yeah, they would always just be like, yeah, he's crazy, but never gave it a title. So now they want to label it bipolar. Okay. So how did you like get away? And did you go back? 
when you did get away? Because, you know, like some people go back to their abusers and stuff like that. Like, did you go back and... So it wasn't like just a one-time thing. It was a constant thing. It started out with black eyes and then I don't wear makeup. So I had to learn how to try to put makeup on my eyes, which didn't really work because they were two different colors of my skin. (laughs) So (laughs) I just stayed in the house busted lip and then it started getting worse and then I was pregnant and he kicked me down the stairs and I had a miscarriage and then another time I got pregnant again and he beat me on the roof he made me go to the roof and he beat me on the roof and I lost that baby and then it just escalated from there and and I would get away and like my oldest sister would take me you know to her house or my youngest sister would take me to her house And then he would threaten, I'll kill your mother, I'll kill your family if you don't come back. And, you know, you don't know. You're a teenager. You're thinking, like, this maniac is really going to harm my family. So let me go back because I'd rather him do it to me and not my family. So I would always go back. And one time I left my sister's house and had no money, had nothing, and was actually jumping the turnstiles just to get back to him so that he didn't harm nobody. And it was the middle of the night. So the last draw was when he physically beat me with a metal baton. It was him and I in the house and he kept bringing women in and out the house, in and out the house. And this one particular day he was sleeping and I literally contemplated bashing his head in with an ashtray, but I didn't. I, I was standing over over him, but I didn't. And that particular evening, he decided he was going to start starving me. So I didn't eat. I wasn't eating. And I started losing a lot of weight because he wouldn't, he wouldn't allow me to eat. So my mother thought I was on crack, but I wasn't. Mm. Oh my gosh, Granny. So I was starving. And so then this one, that one particular day, he got so angry, so angry. And he just started hitting me with his hands and hitting me. So we were in the room and we were fighting and, you know, I was trying to swing back. And when he saw that I was trying to fight back, he said, oh, so you think you're a man and you think you can beat a man. So now I'm going to beat you like a man. So he took a metal baton and he literally beat me from the top of my head to to my feet. And he just kept beating me and beating me until God told me to stop breathing. You wouldn't think like, oh, just stop breathing. Well, I did. And he thought I was dead. And the Holy Spirit told me to hold your breath. And I did. And he put ammonia under my nose. He put alcohol under my nose. I did not blink. I did not flinch. Nothing. So what he did was take off all my clothes, picked me up and put me on the balcony and laid me there. So I still, you know, act like I was out. So as soon as he closed the door, the Holy Spirit said, get up and run, 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 run. So I just got up. I don't know where I got the strength. I got up. I ran. I ran and ran. Ran to my aunt's house. Collapsed right on her floor. So when I collapsed on the floor, she, I, I woke up in the emergency room. So I don't know what happened after that. But yeah, I had to have my clothes cut on the side of all my clothes because I was so swollen all over my body that 
they could not put my clothes on. So they had to cut all the sides of my clothes. And I almost lost my spleen because he beat me so bad with, with the baton. So that is how I survived my attacker. Jeez, I'm so stuck. <laughs> I'm like really stuck. I'm trying to get my words together. Dang. Yeah, I wasn't prepared for all that. Like at all. And yeah, well, y'all, I didn't know any of this. So it's not fake acting. Like I'm, yeah. I'm like all the way stuck. Like. I'm trying to figure out what's to add. It took me a long time to tell my story. I kept my story in for years. I would never speak about my story. I would never, I could never get through my story without bawling, crying. And then I had to make peace with the situation because it's hard to get past abuse because you're always thinking that someone's going to abuse you in some form or fashion, whether it's mentally or physically physically. So you're always on ready. So it's like I, I've i never spoken these things to my kids and I didn't feel that they needed to know only because I was protecting them because I didn't want these things to happen to them growing up. My son, he did witness his father later on in years. He witnessed his father chasing me. Him and I were coming from the movies and his father was chasing us up the street and he cornered me in the stairwell and he just punched me dead in my face. And I was trying to tell my son, like, don't tell grandma, don't tell grandma. And he, what he did was it was raining that day. He took the umbrella and he was beating him with the umbrella. He was like, get off my mommy, get off my mommy. And I knew just by that, I said, oh no, I am not going to do this with my children. They will not see this. They will not go through this. They will not experience this because it, it's not something that you want your children to go through. So I am a survivor. I am blessed to be here. And I know it's all God. And I owe him all the many blessings because without him speaking to me and through me, I probably wouldn't be here so when did it like when did it start getting easier to when did it start getting easier to talk about it or just when did the hurt slowly start getting more bearable i'm trying to get my words together you know because at the end of the day, you're never going to forget and you, the hurt is never going to go away but when did it get to the point where you're not constantly thinking about it or you're not constantly crying about it and it became easier where you're able to sit here before us now and actually tell your story because, you know, there's people, there could be people out there that's going through that same thing or been through that same thing and feel like they can't get away. They have to go back. So like, when did it start getting better? What did you have to like start doing and in order to, you know, help? And what like, would be your advice to anybody out there? Well, actually, I shut it down for a long time. And I closed off from a lot of stuff. And it was almost like that part of my life I kind of erased because I was actually pregnant before my oldest child and was forced by my father to get an abortion. So that part of my life, I shut down. And this one particular time, I was in church and it was a domestic violence seminar that the church was having and 
it was young girls that were talking and was saying, you know, that they were abused. And, and I just stood up and I just cried. And I, and actually I wasn't even there for myself. I was there be, for my daughter because it was her dance team praise dance conference. So it, it just fell into line and I just bawled out crying. And it was like, like it hit me like, wow, these things really happened to me. And, and I just went to the altar and I just put it right there on the altar and just left it right there on the altar. I just spoke and I just, I left it right there and I've been speaking ever since. So would you give that, would you say that's advice for people out there to just tell their story or like, would you, like, what would you change? Do you feel like you should have told, you know, more people, like told grandma? Would you change anything? I don't think I would change anything because even telling people, if if you've never been through it, you don't know what it's like. So you don't know how to help someone get away or how to help someone, you know, get you know, try something new or know that that's not healthy for you. If you've never gone through it, you don't know. Yeah. So someone that has gone through it already knows that it's hard for you to get away from your attacker. It's not that you like going back to abuse, but you have to be ready to get away. That is the main key. You have to say enough is enough. I'm more than this. And I don't, I don't just need someone to just fill a void. You are that void and you can do all things and more. So never let anyone minimize who you are, whether you're a male or a female. And this is truth. I I don't just go and talk and spill my my business out on the street yeah so not at all (laughs) just you know speaking to women that have been in that situation i have gotten a few women out of domestic violence abuse situations to where they almost died so if you can be a blessing to someone else and you've gone through it be that blessing don't sit there and shelter yourself and and make it seem like you're the only one that has that story no, there's a whole bunch of other people that have the story. Mm-hmm. It might be a little different, mm-hmm. but they all have a story. So tell your story. Because I always wondered if it really helped because I've noticed a lot, like working, especially working at different companies, that it's a thing now. Like the last job that I worked at when I was working from home, it was a part of the training to do like de- like violence, sexual harassment, all these different courses for all these things. And I'm like, when did they start doing this? And now it's like put in there. So we had a watch a bunch of videos of like if you see one of your co-workers going through this sexual harassment and domestic violence and all these like violences and stuff like that if you see it you gotta do this you gotta do this and do this and I'm like does that really hurt help does that like are we making it worse by doing these things like you know it makes me wonder like what do you really do to help somebody like even if you like never experienced domestic violence but you know somebody is going through it or somebody's giving you that hint like but you want to help, but you don't know what's the best way to help. Like, you don't know if what you want to do to help is about to off the person that's being, you know, victimized right now. You don't know, oh, let me call the police. Oh, bad decision. Like, you don't know if it'll be turned left. So it's, like, really hard to determine, like, oh, somebody you know, somebody out there who needs help. I want to help them, but how do I help them? What do I do? Like, now society doesn't make it easy to know, like, who is really going outside for real, for real, you know? Like, what do I do to help someone? Am I all on my own? Is my family going to believe me type stuff? Well, my family was there 
and they wanted to help, but they couldn't help unless I helped myself. Because every time they did help, I wind up going back. So then they started pulling away. Was it the love that was bringing you back? Or did you feel like he was going to, like he can change? I did feel like he could change. <clears throat> did feel like I did love him. But then when I when I found out what really love was like, I'm like, that was not even love. What was that? Like, what was that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it wasn't love. But being a teenager, you don't know. You... And that was your, he was your first love. He was my first yeah. love. Yeah, my first liker, you know, at that yeah. time. So, yeah. Yeah. You, so, so you didn't have anything to go I had nothing go to go by. Yeah. So, it was like, yeah, he, he was my first everything. So, it was like. Yeah. What? Okay. Hey. <laughs> oh, just thinking to myself. Sorry, y'all. We're using one mic. Like me and Sharon, he's talking all in addition. So if this sound kind of off, y'all, that's why. Yeah, we but we got to upgrade. Everybody goes into their first relationship with a Romeo Juliet aspects. Like, you know, okay, I'm not like those other people. I've seen things about how people are bad people. I'm not like that. I'm going to give you the best, give you everything, and then just never turns out that way. So it's the opposite side. Never, never expected could be. The your first girlfriend ever, mm-hmm. like okay, I'm about to be tra- trying to her next year. You know, she completely turns your world upside down. I was like, nah, that's not what I wanted. But thank you for the experience. And everybody always has those type of relationships. You know, the high school, like, who this my this my oh, forever. The high school sweetheart. Yeah, that's like. But tragic. I didn't even like right. him. <laughs> like I loved him. I thought mm-hmm. I didn't even like him. Like. My sister's godmother worked in the school and she would always tell him to get away from me, get away from her, get away from her. You know, you don't, you're not going to be with her. She's too good for you. Like, and then he kept pursuing me and pursuing me and pursuing me. And it was just like, I guess after a while it was like, okay, well, you know, we're always together. I'll give it a try. But I didn't like him. Not for real. <laughs> but not for real. <laughs> but that's crazy okay i don't think i have any more questions do you have any questions honestly i only witness abuse and it's it's very informative and like a very emotional topic to talk about because at the end of the day like you was asking like it's really hard to know when you can say something Uh and even that aspect is like if you do say something and like you said it makes it worse now you're probably more perceptive like okay we know to watch out for you yeah i didn't i still want violence but i see how many words because like say in a situation you know i can't really speak on this person's you know their situation but missing these people in their domestic violence and not really knowing what to say is like okay well don't have to be with her and you don't have to be with him but yeah y'all cons keep coming around mm-hmm. like we don't know what to say because if we split y'all up y'all just going to come right back together now y'all back at the, each other's throats again and again so it's like do you sit there and just watch it happen just let it take its course because it's well you definitely don't watch it happen (laughs) because because nine times out of ten that person really needs help Uh and because there is no one that they feel is really going to help because i didn't have any males at that time that was 
able to step up and and like approach him and be like you know don't touch her or something like it was always the women Mm -hmm. and he had already threatened to harm the women so it's like I think if a male was there Mm -hmm. then maybe somebody could put some fear in them but that wasn't the case so it just it just kept on so he just that was his way of trying to control like is being violent to the world but i felt like he had no control yeah like his only option was just to take control by force you know whether that been you know completely trying to overpower or just being aggressive to anybody he can't contact and it's like okay well i'm so belittled that i need to make myself feel like i'm the biggest one yeah yeah and i mean till this day from what i hear he's still abusing women so it it doesn't it doesn't stop yeah one that's gonna put two on well he did he did meet one of them and her family slit slit his face so he has a huge scar from Uh his forehead all the way down to his chin but that didn't small face (laughs) yeah that obviously didn't stop him so so i have like one more question so i know you know since we live in georgia and you know he don't live anywhere near here when there was times like in the beginning when we used to go you know to the state (laughs) not about to be out and nothing but you know when there was time we used to go out there Uh and you was you would run into him at that time before was it like a what were you what was going through your mind like what were you feeling like was it did you ever get like any flashbacks or any fear like ever like well till this day i still have triggers it's like different things like people pointing in my face or you know when people clap their hands mm. like in an yeah, argument yeah when yeah that's a trigger for me a lot of things are triggers it's a female thing yeah Not clapping <laughs> So <laughs> I don't even know why. He's like, why are you clapping? So those <laughs> things are like triggers. And um, sometimes I could black out mm-hmm. because I can literally see him. Yeah. So, um, but when I did go home to visit mm-hmm. and spotted him, and now it's just nothing. I'm just like, oh my God, you're a bum. <laughs> <laughs> like, like trying to hide it confusing. Yeah. I'm a bum, so, you know. Like, yeah. I, I can show I can control or try to dominate my own. Yeah, and it's just like now I know that I have that strength. And, yeah, you were always strong. And it's you just like it. I I don't need to hide from you. I don't need to sit here and act like I fear you. You know, so it's like he might say something, get out my mother's house or whatever. Who are you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> get out my mother's house. <laughs> that the power just went straight out the room that one well the blessing is that i have a wonderful relationship with his mother and have always had a beautiful relationship with her but well that's for the next episode that you all will be hearing from me but yeah. so stay tuned for that one y'all <laughs> should we talking more about just is it basically be about her being a mother. So we're going to be, the topic is going to be single, single mothers. I'll let y'all know. It'll be a single mom. And she's going to be talking about all that, you know, having the grandmas in the life, my grandma, my brother's grandma, and just her, how she handled all that. So stay tuned because this was a really, really, really great episode. And I really hope you guys like 
If anybody out there is listening and you're going through that, I really hope this helped. I really hope somebody out there can help you. There, There's always a way. And, you know, we here. We here. You comment. That's right. If you have any questions, concerns, just, you know, type it, chat it. How do you say it? <laughs> Something. Com- put it- comment. <laughs> put, put it down below. <laughs> type it, chat it. <laughs> I am willing to, you know, help you the best I can and, you know, guide you through it if I need to. We'd like to thank Mommy for being on the podcast. Hey, thank you, Mo Better, for being on the podcast. (laughs) And stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Let's Take a Journey podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. See you next Saturday. Adventure.